you feel greedy when you ask for more money because you don't understand or you don't feel like you're adding more value to the company. But if they're asking you to do 12 emails instead of four, you're adding an immense amount of value to the company. And so you should be charging more for that. You're not being greedy. You're getting paid for the value that you're bringing in. And and businesses understand that. They, they pay for value. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. That's spot on. Mm-hmm. Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelance2founder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. On this week's episode, we have a heart-to-heart chat with Bree Earls, a freelance social media manager and virtual assistant. Whenever Bree thinks about having money conversations or raising her prices, she kind of freezes up using words like awkward, greedy, or selfish to explain how she feels about charging clients. And what many freelancers like Bree fail to realize is the only way to become comfortable with charging more is to gain confidence about the value you provide. If you're still charging by the hour, please, I beg you, stop now. The rest of today's conversation will help you see why I say that and how hourly billing is really just holding you back. This fantastic conversation with Bree starts after this quick break. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. I'm excited for another conversation today with a freelancer, Bree Earls. Excited to have you on the air, Bree. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. And as always, joining me on the air, my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay. I'm always happy to be here. I'm always happy to have you. And today we've got a friend of yours, Bree, on the line. You guys know each other? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Bree and I know. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Bree, can you start off by giving us a quick uh, background into your business? Tell us what you're working on and what you do day to day. Yeah. So I've been doing social media management for, um, I've been doing solely that for about four, four and a half years. And I kind of started branching off into virtual assistants because I realized I was doing that anyways for my social media uh, clients. And so now I feel like I do a little bit more virtual assistance, video editing, some mild website updates, um, emails, just kind of general stuff, a little bit more than social media, but I kind of do it all. Okay. So you're a, a Jill of all trades. I am. I try to be. I love that. Uh, so you say you started you started out strictly in, in social media, just started freelancing like on the side of a job or or how were you doing it full time? What was the situation when you first started? 
Yeah. So actually I've worked, I've, I have kind of a similar story to Clay. I've done like everything there is to do. Um, but for the past 10 years or so, I've worked mainly in the chiropractic field. I worked inside an office as a chiropractic assistant. Um, and I would work there for like a year and then I would take a year off just cause like they wouldn't be very busy. Um, and then I would just be PRN. So like if somebody needed to go on vacation or was sick, they would call me. And then I, um, got pregnant when I'm maternity leave from that office and just kind of decided I never wanted to go back to work. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, um, I didn't for about, um, I think when he was about nine months old, I actually approached his chiropractor that we were going to on a regular basis, asked if she needed help with her social media because I could tell she was doing it herself. And she was like, yeah, sure. So we just kind of started it from there. And actually, I've gotten every single one of my clients after that from her. Wow. Those are the kind of partnerships that uh, Clay is always talking about. You get one good partner that can bring you referral after referral. Yeah. I've never had to... um, get my own client. It's all been referral basis at that point. That's amazing that not a lot of people can say that. Yeah. You know, like we were, we were just talking about, uh, in the last episode, we were just talking about, uh, cold pitches, nothing but cold pitches. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) Yeah. We had a nice conversation about it and, and that is how most people feel about cold outreach, right? That's their first, first reaction. I hate (laughs) that. So uh, yeah, cold outreach gets a, a total, total bad rap, uh, and rightly so. Honestly, like no one really loves doing cold outreach. Have you? You've never had to do anything like that at all to get freelance. Business. No, never. I've done sales before, and I hate sales. Um, and so I really just pitched myself to that first chiropractor, and then she has brought me. She's brought me two regular clients. One that I still have. And I've had two other um, discovery calls from her that didn't pan out. And then um, the one client I got from that original chiropractor actually introduced me to Clay. And that's, I've, I mean, I've only been doing this for like four years. So I've only had a few regular clients. They've all been kind of long-term. I mean, that's another thing that not many freelancers have is, is long-term clients. Yeah, I've been really fortunate because yeah, I hate the cold call. I hate pitching myself. The discovery calls went terrible. Like everybody wants to pay $250 for a social media package. And so that's why those didn't pan out. Oh, yeah. They're so the, the total low ballers. Is that yeah. what they are? Okay. Well, that's interesting. So how many total clients do you have right now? Regular clients. Um, so regular clients, two monthly. And then I have one that's like, um, like on retainer. Okay. So what would you say? Like, I'm very curious. Have you thought about, and this is, this is one of my fears of having, uh, of having high value clients, but low volume. Have you thought about what would happen if one of those clients like were to drop off if they were to leave you? Yeah, I have. And I kind of just, figure that I'll figure it out if that happens. Um, one of my client, clients actually did just reach out to me today to downgrade her um, plan because her business isn't quite mm. up to where she thought it would be um, since the whole Corona thing. And so we haven't like finalized on a price for that. So that, that one is decreasing. 
Um, I don't know. I, I mean, both my husband and I work and I've just kind of always been like, we'll figure it out, you know? So is this a, is this a full-time thing or on the side still for you? No, it's, I mean, I, I don't work full-time hours. I probably average like 30 hours a week. So, I mean, kind of close for like a regular job. Um, but it's my only, it's not like a side hustle. It's not something you do on the side. Yeah. It's my only income. Okay. Yeah. So that could, I mean, that could be a big deal. Like Clay was saying, if, if even one or two of these clients drop off, I love the, I love the attitude like, Hey, we'll figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely the right attitude to have. If, if the attitude could be backed up with a little bit of a strategy, I, I would feel <laughs> more comfortable definitely. But you know, with, with, with easy acquisition of clients, or I shouldn't say easy, but it does sound like it's come a little bit easier. Um, comes that curse of like, well, you know, uh, it's just kind of always worked out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Which can be maybe a little bit dangerous. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, the the potential the potential potential problem is sales. Like you you've never had to go out and get your own clients, right? It's all been referral. Um, you have a small uh, like a handful of clients, and so my my question is like, what happens if one or two of these clients leave, or they have to downgrade, or something, and you lose a lot of income? And then you're stuck in a situation where you have you do have to go out and get more clients, um, and so what do you do because you've never had to do that before, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's probably where I honestly would panic because the times that I have had the discovery calls, like they just haven't gone well because the expectation their expectations are so high for what they want to pay, and there's just such a disconnect there, you know? Yeah. It's expectations that are always, expectations always create disappointment, right? It's nothing else. It's always expectations. So I'm very curious to see kind of the root behind why those expectations are what they are. Um, Especially if they're, you probably, you probably don't know the answer, but it's something I would continuously try to find out the answer. Like, why when you get on these discovery calls why the expectation is what it is and that's why it doesn't work out right so it might be both like if all these referrals all these discovery calls are coming from one particular client that that are they're referring them to you like okay well if it, if it all gets sourced from one client what is that client telling these people when they're referring them to you you know it's like I, I would try. I would do a kind of a deep, uh, a deeper dive into okay, why are the expectations why uh, the way they are? Yeah, that's actually. A good I think point. that will help for sure. It is a good point, and and again, not to be like a rain cloud. I feel like all I'm doing is raining on your parade. <laughs> I, I want to like. I want to totally congratulate you for the fact that you've had to do very little outreach and very little pitching and selling. But but along with that comes the fact that you don't have these answers. Mm-hmm. So Clay says you got to figure out what those roadblocks would be. Well, in what setting are you going to figure that out? Because you're not pitching on a regular basis, right? And so mm-hmm. it's hard to identify what those potential roadblocks might be in the future. I, I actually think this ties in maybe more than we're giving it credit to the actual issue that, that we'll talk about for the bulk of the episode today. Uh, so I, I'd like to dive right in and maybe make a connection there. So let's let's start first by reviewing... You know, listeners know that everybody that we have on the show, Bree, fills out a, a questionnaire. Thank you for filling that out ahead of time. 
it tells us a little bit about your business. And one question on there asks you to rate yourself on the freelancer to founder scale from one to 10, one being freelancer, 10 being a founder. You rated yourself uh, right now, currently in your business at a one. So you're completely a freelancer. You define yourself as a freelancer. You, you're running a freelance business. It's just you. But you did put that in the next six to 12 months, you'd like to move all the way to an eight, which is fantastic, really ambitious, um, and I think can be done, definitely. Uh, an eight would mean, you know, for the most part, you're running systems and processes that you've maybe hired one or two other contractors or even full-time employees uh, that are helping you with the actual creative work that you do in your business. Give us a quick, uh, a quick snapshot view of why you rated yourself at a one and why you're hoping to get more toward an eight in the next year or so? Um, yeah. So I am basically a one man show. I do everything, you know, by myself. If I don't know how to do something, I figure it out. I hate saying no. And that's gotten me into trouble in the past because I tend to overcommit. And um, I'm finding, I'm finding that I'm having to to turn work down now just because I'm out of time. I don't have the time to do it. I'm a stay-at-home mom. My kid's not in school because the world is shut down. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping up with just the, the regular daily life, let alone, you know, all my clients. And so I want to do more. I want to say yes to all these projects, and but I can't. And so my only... The only thing that I can see that would fix that is if I did keep taking on more, but then I also took on, you know, an employee or a contractor or started moving up instead of just staying where I'm at. Like I can't keep running everything by myself. And kind of like you said, like, I don't know how long I'm going to have these current clients. It's not a forever thing, I'm sure, you know, so just trying to think about the future a little bit, how I can plan. And I would love to not be tied to my computer or phone like 24 seven. Like even though I only work nights and weekends right. right now, like I'm always answering messages and putting out fires and you know, it's, it's like a 24 seven job. Honestly, that is maybe the best answer I've heard to that question. Like it feels like you are right at yep. the, right at the perfect tipping point of like, you know, either I need to be done doing this because it's going to burn me yeah. out or I need to figure out how to take it to the next level, be something more than just a singular person running an entire business by myself. Yeah. It sounds like you're you're in the perfect spot for this kind of it's growth. It's terrifying. It's perfect and the most frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope, I mean, the goal today with today's call is hopefully we can help identify a few small steps you can take. Um in the beginning that can, that eventually can lead you toward that, that end goal. But, I, but honestly, like, I don't think you could be in a better spot. You have a decent amount of clients keeping you in business and, and also like turning down new projects. That's a huge sign that you, that it's time to maybe hire someone or scale in other ways. Um, wanting some of your time back and not enjoying being tethered to your phone all day. Those are all the exact signs I tell people to look for when they're considering taking their freelancing business to the next level. So we're going to take a quick short break from our sponsors. We're going to dive into maybe some of the roadblocks that you're facing uh, in terms of in taking those next steps. And Clay and I are going to have some, some good advice, I hope, for, for some of those roadblocks. We'll be right back after this quick break. 
You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. You're listening to Freelance to Founder. We're on the air with Bree Earls. Uh, Clay and I are, are about to dive into her business a little bit more. We've learned some really great things about her freelance business. She's in a really good place. But I want to see now, Bree, where you think we ought to take this conversation in terms of what hurdles you're facing uh, in, in really taking your business to the next level. How do we get you to an eight on that freelancer to founder scale instead of sitting at a one? Probably the thing I struggle with most is really calculating my worth. Um, just I, Because I just don't feel like I fit into any one specific job role. Like I'm not just a social media manager. I'm not just a virtual assistant. Like I do a lot of different things. And I feel like I don't know how to price that accurately. And I struggle with confidence just on a general level. And so I hate talking about money. I hate talking, like I hate negotiating. Um, it's hard for me to have those conversations asking for the amount of money that I want. And then I always have this like number in my head and then I go lower than that because like I'm afraid they're going to say no. And then later I'm like frustrated because I'm not getting paid more, you know? That's some deep stuff. Clay, where's your head at on this? Uh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is a, uh, this is a super fun topic. Uh, and frustrating one uh, because I've been there. Um, I know exactly what you're feeling right now. Um, I I think there. Preston and I did a whole episode when to raise your fees. 
I would highly encourage you to listen to that because there's going to be a lot of good information on, on kind of some red flags to recognize on when you should raise your fee. Um, so, and we can, we can dive into that if we want, but one thing to think about, cause like when you say you want to be a founder, you want employees, correct? Like you want a team. Yeah. So I think where, where some people, what some people don't recognize whenever they're setting their fees is especially when they want to have a team behind them is they, they set their fees according to what, how long it would take for them to do it as a, as a solo person, a freelancer. And they don't think about what it would cost to have a team behind them doing the work, you know, for their clients. And so, because as you add on more people, you have to pay their salary you also have to pay for software and technology that goes along with managing a team. Um, you'd be surprised how much money you have to spend on tech. Like that, it's a crazy amount than, than what you think you would have to spend. And so there's there's variable costs that go into to growing a business and scaling a business. So you have to think about that because if you're if you're pricing yourself at, you know, at let's just say twenty bucks an hour but you have a team behind you and it costs you $25 an hour, you know, it, it mathematically, it doesn't make sense, right? It's a losing yeah. game. You can't. Oh, lose. it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so you have to think about that, that, that aspect and having a good CPA will help you with that. You know, you just need to do the math with that. Um, and then also kind of my take on, on how to price yourself or, or how to pitch yourself on pricing. Um, are you charging yourself hourly or is that how much you pitch yourself? Um, I pitch on a monthly retainer, but I try to calculate what that would mean hourly. And so that's kind of like okay. another part of it is like, I'll pitch, okay, let's do like this, this amount for this type of job. And sometimes these clients like just keep adding and adding more or like, it'll be initially mm-hmm. just like a little bit of this and then Later, it's like a lot more of that, but then the price is like still the same. So I'm like, well, technically I'm not doing different things. I'm just doing a lot more of those things. Mm. So now my hourly is like way lower than it was before. Okay. So, so walk, walk me a little bit deeper into that. Like, so when you're talking to a prospect, how do you pitch them a retainer? Do you pitch them an hourly block? Like, Hey, you get 10 hours or do you pitch them? A list of services. A list of services. Okay. Um, so it sounds like you're doing that the way I would do it. Um, but I, I would also be very clear on what and communicate with the client exactly what they're getting. And so it's very easy. And I know this too. It's very easy to, to say, hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to do email marketing, for example. Um, if you just keep it vague like that, it's very easy for the client to be like, okay, let's start off with like uh, four emails a month, right? Like put those emails into active campaign or MailChimp or whatever. Uh, but it's very easy for the client to be like, okay, we're going to pump that up to like three times a week and it's 12 emails now. Um, but it's still like just email marketing. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's an easy, very easy uh, slippery slope to to increase your time on this one activity and then therefore your hourly 
rate goes down, especially if you're working, you know, like the same, uh, you know, kind of, you're not charging them more for that extra work. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, if you kind of get in that, that black coal. Yeah, at all. that's exactly, that's a perfect example. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not really their fault. I mean, it's not their fault. It's, it's the fact that it probably was too vague, vague on my part and their part, but mm-hmm. not on purpose. You know, it's just, we, we thought we understood each other and just naturally things grow over time. And I just don't know yep. how to have those conversations again without yeah. seeming greedy or, you know, picky. Well, uh, the only, the only last thought I was going to say is these are business owners that you're dealing with and business owners in general know that if it takes more time, it costs more money. Yeah. They they straight up know that. And so it's like, it's okay to have that conversation and they will understand that. Yeah. Okay. For me, there's there's a couple of issues here. First of all, I, I think freelancers who focus too much on an hourly, the concept of hourly rates can really struggle. Even if you're charging on a project by project basis or a, or a monthly basis, basis breaking it down to then say okay then how much did i make per hour can can really just yeah eat up a lot of time and productivity but it can also just cause a lot of i don't know a lot of problems i've i've never seen a really a thriving freelancer who breaks down every hour by hour everything that they do um so so i would actually encourage you to maybe get away from that model which can be hard when you have limited hours i totally get that um but but what I would recommend maybe is is understanding that the value that you're bringing to your client is not the hours that you're putting in. Yeah. The value that you're bringing to your client is helping them get more customers, helping them get more email subscribers, helping them get more likes and shares, whatever it is that they want from your relationship. That's the actual value that you're bringing. And so so often freelancers value their time, and so they say. I'm making, you know, $20 an hour, $100 an hour, or I'm charging $150 an hour or whatever. Instead, it's it's like, no, I'm I'm giving my client XYZ for $2,000 a month or for $500 a month or whatever the prices are. And yeah. and I and for me, from what I can hear so far Bree with you, it sounds like to me uh Everything here so far stems from you not understanding or not appreciating your own value. I think all of these pricing issues could potentially go away if you if you can truly see what value you bring to your clients. Because you, you said something like, I don't know how to have those money conversations because I just feel like I'm being greedy. Yeah. You feel like you're being greedy because you don't see the services. This is like I'm trying. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trying to be a therapist, but it's starting to sound like I am. But what? But but you feel greedy when you ask for more money because you don't understand or you don't feel like you're adding more value to the company. But if they're asking you to do, and you're in Clay's example, if they're asking you to do twelve emails instead of four, you're adding an immense amount of value to the company. And so you should be charging more for that. You're not being greedy. You're getting paid for the value that you're bringing in. And and businesses understand that. They they pay for value. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. That's spot on. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That's exactly what it is. I don't I I can't convey the value that I have cuz I don't fully understand it. Yeah. 
And you mm. know, one way you could you could start to understand it is to have conversations with your clients. If if you have clients that um, you're really close with, who you feel like you could have a frank conversation with, who maybe you've become friends, like maybe this original uh, chiropractor, who I imagine you have a pretty good relationship with at this point, mm-hmm. um, you could reach out to her and say, "How have I been valuable to your company? You know what." you know, why do you keep referring me to people? Like what, can you, can you just like shower me with praise for just a minute and tell me all the good things? If, if that's too embarrassing, you could ask people to write testimonials for you. And then you can start to pick out what value they actually see in the work that you're doing, because no one in their testimonial for you and no one in, in their, you know, positive review for you is going to say, oh, she always works 30 hours a month for us. <laughs> that's never going to be a thing. It's going to be, her content uh, helps us get more likes and shares or her emails convert more business and we get more sales. It's always going to be these business metrics that they care about. And then as you start to collect that information on a more personal level with your clients, you can start to actually see the value that you're bringing them in their businesses. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's good. I think, I think Preston is spot on, on just completely removing the hourly mindset. <laughs> um, and let me, let me tell you this from a, from a, from a prospect client perspective. Um, whenever someone pitches me hourly, I automatically like discount the value for some reason. I, me too. I, I think it's a psych, like, it's just a societal psychology, right? Think about, think about your, blue collar, nothing, no disrespect to the, to these industries at all. Um, but if you think about your blue collar, your, your like fast food restaurant, uh, workers, things like that, um, they're all paid hourly versus, versus, you know, uh, like salary, salary, right? Like white collar, all white collars, all salary. Mm -hmm. Right. So when someone pitches me an hourly rate, I automatically just psychologically thinking, okay, the value is like, it's less, it's less. You're a commodity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know you pitch, like you said, you pitch a monthly retainer. uh, But I think if you still have, like, if you're calculating that on an hourly basis, I think that, and I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen like all all your pitches or your discovery calls. um, But it's, I think it can still show through if you're still kind of thinking that way. Um, something to help with that is instead of, and, and this is a way to kind of progress to charging whatever you think your time, your, your, your fees worth um, outside of like time. Uh, just like Preston said, like you're pitching your, what, what value you bring to the table, but something to help like kind of a middle step is to, instead of thinking of it, thinking of it, okay, how many hours is this going to take? Think of it as half days or days instead of hours. Um, I think that's a, a really good next step. And like if, if a client's going to take a half a day, okay, I charge a thousand dollars for a half a day. Yeah. That's a good point. And I do agree. I need to get out of that hourly mindset. And it's more so just so that I know what my, I was going to like, my, <laughs> what my time is valued at just because 
like you said, I, I don't have a lot of time. And so I don't want to be working on projects where I'm making, you know, $16 an hour because I could get a job anywhere for $16 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Except, um, I, I, you're still, you're still thinking about your time, your time value in, or your, or the value of your work in terms of, of hours. Right. Like, like what if you didn't keep track of how many hours you worked? Like in my mind, the, the hours don't so much matter as, as much as what you said before, which is like, you don't want to feel tethered to your phone 24 seven. It's less about the time on the clock and more about your lifestyle. Maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, like I don't keep track of how many hours I work. Right. I keep track of how much money I make in a month. And if I start to feel overwhelmed or overloaded with how much, how many, how much time I'm working, not, not because the math says like, Oh, you're working 60 hours a week. If I start to feel overwhelmed or like I can't keep up with things, then I hire someone. You know what I mean? Until that starts to go down. And so it's not so much about like, oh, I'm only making $12 an hour. Oh, now it's down to 11. Oh, now it's down to 10. No, it's it's like, well, you know, revenue is going up and so is my stress level. Let's keep revenue going up, but I'd like to not be tethered to my phone 24-7. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to be able to do that. I think that's a good challenge for me to, to drop the hourly. I initially wasn't tracking hours, but I decided that I wanted to do that just for my own information. So I would know how much I was putting mm-hmm. into each project. And um, then I just kind of kept it because I'm weird. I like to see numbers like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not weird. It's it's really common. Like most freelancers measure their value by the hours that they put in. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's a whole new world when you can start to not think about your value in terms of time. Yeah. You think about value in terms of actual value that you're delivering to a client. If I can offer a perspective on the other side, I function somewhat like a client to the people who work in my company. My team is made up entirely of contractors. And so I work basically with freelancers and I'm the client. So coming back to this, it's awkward to have the money conversation idea. If I go to one of my team members and I say, so I pay my team members a flat monthly rate. We've talked about this on the show. Clay knows this. I pay them a flat monthly fee for a certain role in the company, basically. So they're they're technically freelancers, contractors, but they kind of function more like a full-time member of the team. So for example, Adam manages uh, our blog everything that has to do with the co- the content that gets posted on the blog and SEO and all that. And so I pay him a flat monthly fee. And if I go to Adam and I say, hey, I've been kicking around this idea to do this extra thing, this new thing that we haven't done before. I think it could be really cool. He says to me, I think that sounds like a great idea. Why don't we try it? I'm going to need a little more money, right? Which can can sound awkward. But to me, hearing that, I'm like, well, yeah, naturally. I mean, naturally, if I'm going to ask you to do more mm-hmm. things, then of course I'm willing to pay you more money. And sometimes I'll say, okay, good point. It's probably not worth the extra money right now. We'll have to wait and do that later. Or other times I'll say, great, let's figure out what the money will look like and we can move ahead with it. But when when someone's running a business and they want to extract more value out of something, it's only natural that they should expect to pay more money. Bree, can I ask you, do you have... Um... Can you rank, uh, and if you can give me rough percentages, how much of your revenue is social media versus virtual assistants versus other things? 
I actually feel like it's more social media now than it is virtual assistants because one client that I just took on is pretty much strictly social media with a little bit of emails. So maybe maybe like 60-40. The reason I'm asking is because, um, and, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, is... I think I think it'll be good for you to really sit down and really think about three different tier levels of packages that you offer and have those very very clearly defined. Um and so you could have, you know, package 1, package 2, package 3, and each one of them you get more money, right? They're each one's an upgrade from the other. And so when you're talking to someone about social media and let's just say um and even within social media, you could you you could have different levels because there's so much you could do with social me- with social media. Um, like for example, there's a difference between providing like creating content versus creating content and in charge of engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Commenting back to people and things like that. There's even another level to managing a Facebook group because that could be some work as well. And so I would I would encourage you to clearly define what each one of those packages are. So like if package two talks, you know, it's, it not only does it include social media, but you could also add in virtual assistants, right? And, and you have X, this, Y, that Z, this, right. And I think what would be good for you is to, if you can clearly define these things and your clients know these things, and there, there's the expectation, right? The expectation at the very beginning is, hey, here's what, here's what is included with what you're paying me. And then later on, because if you have that conversation at the beginning, later on, if they say, oh, hey, do you mind if you handle, you know, three or four emails? You know, if you could just uh, put in three or four emails in the MailChimp for me. Instead of just saying yes or whatever, you could be like, sure, that's part of my package B, right? So if you want that included, this is what I charge for that. So it's, it's, and, and it, whenever you mention that, they're, they're going to be like, oh yeah, I remember when you talked about that at the beginning, right? And so I think it's all about expectation as well. Um, and if you have clearly defined packages, I think it's a lot easier for the client to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's all about clarity and open communication. And I'm just, I think I'm just, I'm eager to get these clients. Like I'm excited. Somebody referred me. This seems like a really good deal. You know, I'm excited for this new opportunity and I'm just eager to do it. And so I I think that the clarity isn't there on my part. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm open for whatever. Well, (laughs) that's probably what gets me into a lot of trouble. And in the early days of freelancing, that's not the most horrible thing to do, you know, just get business in, make some connections, get some clients, that's fine. But now you're ready to move to the next level, build a sustainable business. So I don't, I don't think this like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want sort of mentality is going to fly anymore Um, because it's really hard to say, we'll do whatever you want and then, and then farm that out to other people. And it's hard to build a system around whatever the client wants, right? Yeah. It's really hard to make that work in an automated or, or, or clean way. Yeah. Brie, let me ask, are we, are we headed in the right direction with these kinds of uh, questions and advice? Are we, what are we not addressing? What are we missing? We maybe have 10, 10 or a little bit more minutes left in, in this 
call? I mean, what what have we not addressed? Where should we take the conversation from here? No, I mean, I think you're really hitting it pretty head on. It's just, um, you know, I'm lacking the the clear communication and, you know, defining roles. I really like Clay's idea of packages. I've never really had to do a package. Like I've obviously heard of that in, you know, in the past and I've seen people do that and I thought it was a great idea, but I've never really needed to just because I kind of fell into everything. And so it's, it kind of just boils down to my lack of experience and having to pitch myself and, you know, and explain people why I'm worth it because I have other people telling them that I'm worth it. So I just, I'm lucky and unlucky in that. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I, the packages are, are, I think once you establish those packages, um, not only is it going to help you with a client going forward, but it's also going to help you close more clients. I think, because if you're, if you're pitching a package that you already have preset, like, Hey, there's this, this, or this, I think it's a lot easier for a prospect to, to be like, okay, I, I don't like, I don't quite need this, but I need this. Right. They have something concrete. They're saying yes or no to, as opposed mm-hmm. to saying yes or no to you personally, as a person who could work with them, they're saying yes or no to the value as the product instead of your hours as a product. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Let me tell you too. So with what you do for a living, if you are able to get someone as a client uh, for like kind of the quote unquote beginner package, I, I don't I don't know if you know how quite valuable that is because it is so hard for a business owner to find someone who knows the processes of a business. And because to go through that and to try to teach someone and train somebody to do that. Like if I got a virtual assistant or just an assistant in general who who knows that, like I don't want to let that person go merely just like straight for the fact that I don't want to have to find and train another person. So if you have those packages defined and if you get someone in into a beginner package and that your client knows that you know their systems and processes like to a T. That's tea, such a good point they will 100% pay more money for upgraded packages because they know and trust you. So, and plus they don't want to go find somebody else. I really hope everyone on my team is listening right now and asks me for a raise (laughs) because this is so true, right? Like, like every, every time someone on my team is like, Hey, we need to talk. I'm like, Oh, please don't leave. Please. Like, you know, you know how everything works. You run it so smoothly. I barely have to touch it. You're doing a great job. Please don't leave. And, uh, and yeah, if they came to me and said, look, the money's not making sense anymore for the amount of work that I'm doing. I, and I've done this. We've, I mean, we've done this multiple times. Um, especially with the folks that have been with me for a few years, like we've, we've bumped up the amount of money, their monthly stipend every, uh, that they get every month. So yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Once, especially in the VA work that you're doing. Yes. Like once you know a company's processes, that's a hugely valuable thing that, that is worth charging more for. So here's the question for you. How do I have that conversation? Like, I don't really, I don't. I don't have the need to have that conversation right now, but just looking forward, I could see it happening where just that, is it just simply that? I don't think the money is working anymore. Like, how do you have that conversation where things are increasing? 
I I think it's all about uh, honesty. If if that's you just you just laid out like it is like. If you're just asking for more money just to just to make more money doing the same amount of work, to me that's a tough sell. Um, but it sounds like in most cases you anticipate you'll you'll have add-on work, and that's the easiest scenario I think, in which you can say, "Look, we keep adding things and adding things, and it, the like. We're just going to need to lift the money up a little bit here. It's not going to make sense for me financially and in my business. And you know what? You might get a ten percent." of people that say, then we can't work together anymore. So I think this actually comes maybe full circle back to our beginning conversation, which is like those conversations become easier to have. If you have a constant flow of new clients that you can say yes to, if you are as reliant on your clients as they are on you, then you're as nervous about price increases as you are because you can't lose them. You can't afford to lose them. Right. And so you have to you have to create this opportunity where it's okay to lose a client. It it still sucks. It's still not ideal, but your business won't go under if you lose a client when you try to raise your rates or when you try to get paid for what you're worth. Clay, I don't know. What's your take? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think just straight direct honesty is the best, the best uh, uh, strategy there. Um, I, I agree with Preston. Uh, I, well, I think there's two different scenarios here. Um, the scenario of you're just being, more work is just being added to your plate. I think that's a very quote unquote easy conversation to have because it's justified. Um, and, and, and in that scenario, you, you have a, just a direct, very honest conversation. Again, the business owner is going to understand, uh, because if it's a good business owner, they know more, more time and value, the more money they got to pay. And two, if it's, if it's, uh, if they know that you are, super valuable to the team, they will 100% pay more money. Um, and they don't want to go find someone else. I, I think there's another scenario where if you do have clients that you just don't like to work with, uh, and I've been in this situation before, I think everybody's been in this, situ- this situation before. And if you haven't, you will. I think it's okay to just straight up tell them that your demand has increased and your fee, therefore your fees have increased and your fees are increasing with that particular client for the same amount of work, but you only have that conversation if you are okay with them leaving. <laughs> um, and 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 if they leave, you know what? You're okay with Good that. Good riddance. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to deal with them anymore. And you know what? If they pay you more money, you're probably okay with that too because you're getting paid more money. And the fact is, is that if you have like, let's say five clients that you just don't care to work with anymore. Um, so you, you only approach those five clients and you say, I'm doubling my fee. The fact is, let's just say six clients just for sake of being even. The fact is three of them will drop off. Three of them, you will double your fee. So you're doing the same amount. You're getting the same amount of money for half the work. Right. Oh yeah. Now I'm not saying you do, yeah, I'm not saying you do this for every client, right? You can if you want, but the clients that you actually love, like you don't have to double your fee or increase your fee with them, uh, but you can do this for clients that you just don't like to work with. And I've seen that happen. I've doubled my fee in the past and that's exactly what happened. Half of them dropped off. The other half pay uh, agreed to pay the increased fee. So I got the same amount of revenue, half the clients. 
That's a good tip to keep in mind. Fortunately, I love all my current <laughs> clients. <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's a good place to be in. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and honestly, when you like your clients, sometimes that does add to the awkwardness of the money conversation. It does. Right? Because you don't want to feel like you're being greedy or cheating them or trying to take advantage of them because you like them as people. Um, so it is, I mean, it can be difficult drawing that line between being friends and being client, client freelancer. I do think that is I a big part of, a big part of it for me too. Cause I really do. I mean, I genuinely, genuinely do really like my clients. I think they're great people and I think they do great work. And so it, it does make things a little bit more awkward for me to think about, you know, asking for things like that. Cause I don't know, it's just, it's too personal for me. I need to keep it more, more business. Yeah. You know that you know that attitude. Uh, whenever you said, "If I, if I, whenever I asked you what happens if you lose your clients, like what will happen," um, that attitude that you had for a brief moment where you said, "We'll figure it out," like that's the attitude and the the mentality mm. you need to have throughout, like the, all all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's super tough. It's super tough, but that like that's that's kind of the state of mind where you need to be, um, and just be confident and be like. Yeah, I can get that done for you. And it's going to be amazing, but it's going to cost you a little bit extra. Yeah. And honestly, you know, if you are really close with them personally, the worst thing they can say is like, look, I'm sorry, I don't have more budget right now. I can't, I can't pay you more. Yeah. And then you can have a different conversation where you say, that's okay. I like working with you. You know, it's a positive relationship. I might have to scale back the work a little bit, or we might have to make some adjustments, or I might have to subcontract out some of this stuff to someone who has a cheaper rate than I do, but I'll still oversee it and and help you work through it and be the sort of, you know, the strategist or whatever you want to call it. I think there are ways around it, but um, I think that conversation seems a lot scarier than it is in most cases. I think we imagine the worst case scenario when in reality, most times it turns out fine. Yeah. And I do imagine that scenario. Well, I I have loved this conversation. I feel like we've identified a a lot of mission critical things that you could tackle in the next six months or so in terms of pricing. We haven't dived into, you know, hiring and that kind of thing. So maybe that merits another conversation another day. But what are there any loose ends you want to wrap up, Bree, before we call this episode done? No, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to have this conversation with me. It has been very eye-opening and I do have some action items for me to take. So I really, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you. Do do you mind? We'd love to actually hop on another call like this in a few months with you and see how those action items have have gone. Oh God, now you're going to make me accountable? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I would love that. I love it. Well, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bree. Bye. See ya. Freelance to Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance to Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Carud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya. Thank you.